So as we move um, more deeply into our experience of the word, we're going to turn to Ephesians, the letter to the church at Ephesus. It probably wasn't written by the Apostle Paul. It was probably written in his name. It has a lot of the same themes that the Apostle Paul led. But just to kind of give you context, we're going to plop right into the middle of Ephesians, dead center. What has come before, um, the writer is just, um, it is this cascade of images. The writer is telling us all the ways that God has come to us and all the ways that God loves us in Jesus Christ. And then the writer gets to what we have labeled as chapter 4, verse 1, and says, therefore, therefore, because of everything that God has done, therefore, live like God. Therefore, a prisoner in Christ, excuse me, I therefore, a prisoner in Christ, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and parent of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, He made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he has also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that Some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ amongst us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, gather us together into the body of Christ that we might hear your word and live your word and bless the world you love. Amen. 
Today is a significant day in the life of this congregation as we will gather this afternoon to make official our pastor-congregation relationship. And we know that this is a relationship already in progress. We'll gather together with folks from across the presbytery to bless this relationship. Though you don't do this often, install a pastor, there are parts of the service that will be familiar. In the installation service, there will be a series of questions, vows for me, the pastor, and then a series of questions, vows for you, the congregation. The questions to me are the same questions that we ask every year when we ordain and install deacons and elders. Good and worthy questions. Do you trust in Jesus? Yes. Do you look to scripture to see God's love for all people across history and today? Yes, yes. Do you look to the traditions of the church as expressions of how we can live the life of Christ together? Yes. And then everyone's favorite, will you serve with energy and intelligence and imagination and love? Yes. I am an oddball. My favorite next to the Jesus question is hidden in the list somewhere, and it's this. Will you be a friend and colleague, a friend among your colleagues in ministry? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry? I hope that you experience that in me. But there's one of those questions that makes my bones ache. Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Because my bones and the bones of so many know how those words over the history of Christianity have been used to exclude and to silence marginalized voices and bodies. Now that may sound startling at first. They sound harmless enough peace, unity, purity, but think about purity. The Hebrew scriptures have what are called purity codes. At best, we could say they are ancient tribal rules to control conduct that reflect ancient understandings of what's good for the tribe as a whole. That's generous. If we go deeper, we know that they have been used over the centuries to reinforce patriarchy and all manner of exclusion and oppression. You are pure and you are not. You are clean and you are not. Your body is worthy. Your body is not. Purity has been used over the centuries to exclude women's bodies, bodies with different abilities and disabilities, bodies with illness, queer bodies, bodies that look different from the dominant class based on what we now call race. The notion of purity has been misused by the church to harm so many bodies. And we know that Jesus stood against that understanding of purity and the misuse 
of those purity codes. Peace may not be as obvious. Peace sounds harmless, but far too often peace gets invoked to mean tranquility, silence, and calm when marginalized voices are trying to speak up. The problem with peace like that is that it leaves no room for protest or for speaking uncomfortable truth in love or even debating in love questions that are worthy of the struggle. Why are you so loud and so disagreeable? Likewise, unity can be invoked to mean conformity. To be in unity, it is said, we must conform, we must each and all believe the same exact things. If you conform, you are in, and we are in unity. If you don't, if you think otherwise, well, you're out. Because after all, the Bible calls for unity. I think I've told this story here before, um, before I was pastor. As a seminary student, I attended the National General Assembly of our denomination as a student delegate. I was so excited. We gathered in our small groups at first to discuss our hopes for the assembly, the student delegates, the full commissioners. We went around the circle in our small group um, expressing our hopes, and it went fine until one woman said, my hope is that we don't do anything that will get us in the newspapers with Israel, Palestine, or the gay issue. I hope we will all just get along. I didn't have much to say after that. And afterwards, I said to my friend who was in the group, now the Reverend Dr. Derek McQueen, I said, you know, I feel like we were just told to sit down and shut up. To which Derek, who is gay and black, replied, welcome to my world, honey, welcome to my world. Too often, Peace, unity, and purity have been used to silence and marginalize voices and bodies and people who are different, different in the eyes of individuals and systems that hold power. The point of this sermon is to share with you how this morning's scripture and other scriptures and life in the body of Christ have pointed me to a different understanding and how they have helped me find my way to yes. This morning's scripture comes at a hinge point in the book of Ephesians. It's right there in the middle of Ephesians, six chapters. For the first three chapters, the writer has been celebrating what God has been doing in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God has chosen to be Christ for the whole world with a mighty strength stronger than any power that would oppress so that all might live free. We are God's own children, created in Christ to do God's loving work in the world, saved and claimed by grace, so that, rooted and established in love, Christ comes to dwell in our hearts. God in Christ, in us, able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. It is great stuff, those first three chapters. And then, in chapter 4, verse 1, the writer says, Therefore... Therefore, because of God in Jesus, therefore, this is how we live. This is how we live as one body, the one body of Christ. All that God has done in Jesus, who has come to dwell in our hearts, this is how we live it out in one body. 
And we notice pretty quickly that this one body includes many bodies. The writer is pulling all this together in this image of the one body of Christ, one body, one hope, one God, one baptism, one spirit, but it's not a body of sameness. The body of Christ is a welcoming body, a body made up of many bodies, diverse and different and vibrant, each body created uniquely, particularly and fabulously equipped to bless the world. You, me, every body. And then we see that this one body is not complete until all bodies are free. The writer says, remember, Christ descended and then ascended and in doing so made captivity itself a captive. The work of Jesus was and is the liberation of all bodies, making captivity itself a captive, dismantling every system of power of oppression so that all bodies might live free. That is the work of Jesus. That is the work of the one body of Christ. The body of Christ is not complete until all bodies are free. It's only when all bodies are freed that we can together grow into the fullness of Christ. And the writer of Ephesians describes what that looks like. Each of us is created uniquely with our own particular set of gifts and talent and wisdom, some called to be teachers, some prophets, some deacons, some pastors, each body, each part of the one body is needed. You are needed. The unity of that body is a diversity of bodies freed to be and do all that they are created to do, not silenced, but speaking truth in love, building each other up in love. The unity of the body of Christ, the peace, unity, and purity of the body of Christ, it is not about exclusion. It's not about silencing. It's not about us all being the same. The welcoming body of Christ works for the freedom of all bodies so that individually and together we can be all that we are created to be in love. This afternoon, you will hear from three remarkable people who have worked and continue to work for the freedom of bodies you'll hear from Reverend Dr. Janie Spar. I hear a yay. One of the many blessings of being Janie's lawyer is that I've been able to hear and help share the story of her whole ministry across a lifetime. Janie is a feminist who has worked her whole life for the freedom of women and all people of all genders from the power of patriarchy insisting that we celebrate people of all genders as made in the image of God and as a vital part of the story of God's liberating work in all humanity. In the 1980s, Reverend Spar cared for those living and dying with what was coming to be known as AIDS, suffering bodies. 
when most pastors wouldn't even walk into their hospital room. When a church called her as pastor after she came out, the denomination said she couldn't serve as a pastor because she was a lesbian. But Janie turned the denomination's no into a ministry that came to be called that all may freely serve, that said again and again to LGBTQI plus people and our families, yes, yes, yes. Janie blessed and honored the marriages and families of LGBTQI plus people long before the church or any state did at the peril of prosecution and persecution by the church she loved and served. And in the past few years, because Janie never stops, Janie has helped found Trans Heartline Ministry to support transgender people in the process of reassignment surgery. Janie embodies a lifetime of working for the freedom and dignity of all bodies. We'll hear from Reverend Ruth T. West. Ruth is a pastor and a preacher, and she's also a spiritual director. Ruth brings to her ministry a rare gift for speaking truth in love plainly, unflinchingly, and effectively. It is no mistake that I have invited Ruth to give the charge to me. Ruth brings her wisdom and the practice of spiritual direction to sit with persons and institutions to listen and then to notice and say out loud how we are enmeshed and participating in systems of oppression. She sees and then articulates how racism is at work where others don't see how gender bias is at work in the whole of life and in its particulars. And she does this so that everyone can be freed of all that. And we'll hear from Reverend Yolanda Norton, Hebrew Bible scholar and creator and curator of the Beyonce Mass. In the Beyonce Mass, Yolanda, gathering other artists, has created a worship experience grounded in the liberative text of the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament, that also looks to the music of Beyonce. It's a worship experience that articulates the liberating work of Christ in and through and is embodied in the lives and experiences of black women and girls. That, that worship experience, the Beyonce Mass, has been at Grace Cathedral. It has gone to New York. It has been at the Kennedy Center. She has traveled around the world with this Mass. The worship experience draws so many people because it offers a liberating world broad, word broadly. It draws in folks who have otherwise given up on the church. It draws in folks living daily in the intersection of racism and gender bias, all the isms and the phobias, the systems that hurt and harm. I was a roadie when Yolanda took the Beyonce Mass to New York City, and I remember serving communion in one of those services as one woman leaned, to leaned in to take the bread and said to me, I never knew, 
I never knew that church could be like this. And most recently, Yolanda has launched a new nonprofit, the Global Arts and Theology Network, a home for the Beyonce Mass, and also home to what will become the Black Girl Magic Academy, a global mentoring and cohort experience to center and uplift the lives of black girls and women. In and through Jane Spar and Ruth T. West and Yolanda Norton and in all of us who say yes, the welcoming body of Christ works for the freedom of all bodies so that individually and together we can and will be all that we are created to be in love. This afternoon, we'll gather together to worship God, to celebrate God. God's love in Jesus Christ and the work that is ours to do as part of the welcoming body of Christ together we serve. We'll hear and answer those questions each in its particularity, but here's the even more important thing. Every one of those questions even more deeply and more fundamentally, every one of those questions in its particularity is pointing us to Jesus. Each of those questions is asking us, will you be a part of the body of Christ like this? So I want to say this. This afternoon, when answering those questions, the purity to which I will say yes is the purity of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. The single-mindedness of God that from the beginning of time until now has longed for the well-being of every person and that affirms the dignity of every body and that on out into eternity will make it finally and forever so. This afternoon, the peace to which I will say is the peace in which voices long silenced sing. The peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding, that sometimes is a messy, noisy peace, tearing down the systems that oppress and harm, systems of racism and misogyny and trans and homophobia, speaking truth in love, sometimes loudly, so that all bodies can live free in peace. Shalom wholeness. This afternoon, the unity to which I will say yes is not coerced conformity, but the wild and fabulous celebration of diverse bodies liberated to become one liberating body, each living out the distinct blessing that we are created to bring into the world and doing so together, an embodiment of God's love for the whole world in Jesus Christ. I have known Reverend Ruth T. West for a long time now. She and I have been friends for a while. I was there when Ruth preached her senior sermon in Seminary Chapel. My mom and dad were there. My dad loved to quote her. In that senior sermon, Ruth said that she had faced a lot of questions in seminary, a lot of questions that she didn't know the answer to. 
Ruth said that what she learned in seminary was that when you come to a question that you don't quite know the answer to, it's always a good bet to go with Jesus. <laughs> Friends, if every question that we encounter this afternoon points us to Jesus Christ, let's let our answer joyfully, lovingly, resoundingly, let's let our answer be yes, yes, yes.